Blog Talk Radio. Beyond Fear Blog Talk Radio Program. I'm Susan, Laris, and Dan, and today is Saturday, July 10th, 2021. And I am so delighted to once again welcome you here today, wherever this program finds you, whether live or across time, or anywhere in the world, whether you're appreciating summer or winter. Because I'm very much aware that there are those of you listening in various locales and in various situations, and with various ways of looking at spirituality, Though I know this program, being in the spiritual category, is likely to attract mostly people who are inclined to be spiritual, I also know that people wander in who may not really entertain or may even be skeptical of spirituality. Everyone is welcome here. This program started many years ago exploring the topic of fear, and it branched out in a number of ways over the years. And today, I have promised in recent episodes to address the important, important topics of faith and trust. And of course, this program explores faith and trust in one way or another, every time it airs. (laughs) However, it's well worth dedicating an episode. We live in a world and in a time where indeed it is true that the discussion we tend to hear, the supposed approved view, whether it be in education or just in what one would call secular society, however we would label that, because everyone seems to be thrown into it, is non-spiritual, is even at times hostile or skeptical regarding spirituality. Spirituality is relegated 
by this drum beat that we hear. And this is just something we hear. It's not actual reality. It's not even actual reality among what people actually think and what they believe. We just allow this very loud and insistent voice that tries to declare everything secular. And remember, spirituality is beyond religion. It can be within a religion and often is, but it is also independent of religion. And we live in perilous times in many ways on the planet, not for the reasons that people tend to think, although some of those things may have some bearing, but because we're not going to be able to solve whatever problem we face with honesty about what that may be, which is a part of spirituality, without spirituality, without acknowledging that the majority of people in one way or another actually have a spiritual inclination. Now, I would go so far as to say there's a very good reason for that because we're spiritual beings and so we're always going to feel pulled towards that. We may be repelled by particular forms of thought that don't resonate, but that spirituality, the reality of who we are, where we are, how we are, everything is calling us every day. This is a loving reality that calls. And the reason we have shut the door is because we have been burned, literally, sadly, the non-secular too far in ways that are not spiritual. The reason secularists or scientists of old, perhaps, were threatened with being burned at the stake was because they challenged the belief systems. The the world was not able to accept differences of opinion. And yet, there are many ways of doing that, and there are many figurative ways of doing much the same, and it can harm us just as much. And when the door is shut on spirituality, when the door is shut on true, honest, authentic inquiry, on true, honest, authentic exploration, on things like healing and what we've seen. This is where we go beyond just faith. This is a knowing There are people, and I am one, in the spiritual community who have witnessed healing, who have experienced healing in ways that were literally akin to impossible if one were to think about a reality that is just materialistic. We need to grow up. I hate to say it. 
(laughs) There are those who claim growing up is throwing all spirituality out the window. That's not growing up. That's just being a frightened child. Because we're frightened of the things that we've been told that we don't even know have anything to do with spirituality. There are many ways to walk in faith. That's a a very um, full word, faith. I'm well aware of that. It has connotations that some people maybe find uncomfortable. I understand. But at the center, it's really important, and it is combined with knowing. It is both. There comes a point when you simply know because it's all around you and the evidence is there. I was talking to a friend who works with scientists, um, and they are really um, exploring expansive things, these scientists, having to do with energy, different solutions that are often just laughed at. Oh, and boy, do I ever have a quote if I can find it. I actually don't have it ready, but I found it. I I stumbled on it. I may have to paraphrase it this week and tell you the whole thing next week. But, um, and I was told how often these scientists who are so very expansive in their thinking, because spirituality and science are very much compatible. I'm a scientist. I have a scientific background. I find spirituality totally fascinating and compelling and compatible. So anyway, these scientists, they're very spiritual. Being spiritual, having an awakening, having an experience of the spiritual world is a part of their path. Why do we think that it wouldn't be? Why are we surprised? Why should we be surprised? We're all afraid. It takes great courage. I mean, I don't want to blow my own horn here, and boy, I really don't, because I don't feel I do it enough, if you want to know the truth. I mean, I do it a step at a time. It takes courage to be openly spiritual and to just state these basic truths. It does take courage, because it's so little done these days. People just keep their spirituality to themselves. Not only do they keep that to themselves, they suppress it. They pretend. They pretend that reality is something that it isn't, which is non-spiritual. There is this great masquerade. We're all involved in one way or another. We're at a great masquerade party. Behind those masks are these spiritual people who are afraid to say what they think, who are afraid to talk about, you know, obvious things. We've been in a really challenging situation this past year, I understand. But just the thought of what has been a very challenging situation with people being isolated, how does that affect healing? How does that affect them spiritually? I'm not saying There were easy answers in the last year, but to completely deny that that isn't going to have a very real effect is being in true denial. We have difficult questions that we face on the planet. Spirituality guides us 
to love. It's so simple when it all reduces to love one another. And isn't it wonderful when we can be authentically ourselves in that space when you realize that you are beloved by the divine. You are a beloved, created being. You are unfolding who you are every day. And that is an unfolding, wonderful creation. How could we not love one another when we see that? When you are filled with the love that truly binds us all together, sure, you still see things that are incompatible with that. You know, we're on this planet here. Talk about courage to be on this planet where it's not always so easy to see who we are. We've put blinders on to who we are. And to be on this planet where we make mistakes and things happen and there are hurts that lead to hurt, that lead to hurt, that lead to hurtful behavior, that come from hurtful behavior. And there are so many misunderstandings and so many things that impact our daily consciousness. Low vibrational things, one could call it. No doubt those things exist beyond the planet, however you can label them. But the ultimate reality is anything that seems less than the light is really just a shadow. I I actually put a picture up that I had taken, I don't know, a few years ago, some years ago, with this program I find so appropriate because it's a shadow of beauty. <laughs> it's these leaves in the forest. And it, all you see is the shadow. And yet you can sense that behind that shadow is something grander. It's something beautiful. And maybe it's casting a shadow, but it has that potential. It has not just that potential, that reality of what it is. I did come with a quote this time for the program. I said that I would this week. Um, So I have something that I'd like to quote that I found right before because I actually didn't prepare much today. I was out this morning, and just like last week, I defined the program very close to the time that it would air. And I welcome those of you who are here By the way, if you are on the line and you actually want to talk to me, raise your hand to say that because um, I can't tell otherwise if you're just listening. So if if you're on the line and you want to talk to me, raise your hand Um, or ask to talk to the host, I think. I think you press one if, if you do. All right. So I have a quote here. Um. This is from my old favorite, which I've quoted before, only I haven't quoted from this particular essay because I just found it. I don't think I've even read this one yet. This is from Ralph Waldo Emerson. 
Ralph Waldo Emerson believed in transcendental idealism. And he lived from 1803 to 1882. And I turned to this literally right before the program, asking, okay, I would like, if there is a reading that needs to be read, I did look in the the region of Ralph Waldo, Waldo Emerson in this book, but this particular reading just appeared. So I'm going to read it to you, and I haven't even read the whole thing. We'll see how far we go. It's from an essay of his called The Oversoul. Let man then learn the revelation of all nature and all thought to his heart, this namely, that the highest dwells within him, that the sources of nature are in his own mind, if the sentiment of duty is there. But if he would know what the great God speaketh, he must, quote, go into his closet and shut the door, unquote. That's from the Bible. As Jesus said, God will not make himself manifest to cowards. He must greatly listen to himself, withdrawing himself from all the accents of other men's devotion even their prayers are hurtful to him until he have made his own. Our religion vulgarly stands on numbers of believers. Whenever the appeal is made, and I'm reading this for the first time, so I'm just following the passage. No matter how indirectly to numbers proclamation is then and there made, that religion is not. He that finds God a sweet, enveloping thought to him never counts his company. When I sit in that presence, who shall dare come in? When I rest in perfect humility, when I burn with pure love, what can Calvin or Swedenborg say. Now, people may know who Calvin is. Swedenborg, is that is a more obscure reference. He's, he's contrasting. Um, that's a mystical scholar. Calvin was a very strict, John Calvin, very strict scholar. Okay, I'm going to let this go a little bit farther. Because I'm reading this for the first time on the program. And you never know in the past, there can be all kinds of things you'll read. Um, you have to read it within the context of its day. And that's what I'm doing here. So I'm just going to read a little bit more, though. Not too much. Because it seems to be taking us somewhere. It makes no difference whether the appeal is to numbers or to one. The faith that, oh my gosh, I turned to this randomly, a show about faith, okay? I turned to this right before the show, and I haven't even read it all. I didn't read it before. I read the first few sentences. I didn't even see the part about faith. This is what I'm talking about. That's a synchronicity. It's a meaningful coincidence. It just happened. The faith that stands on authority is not faith. 
the reliance on authority measures the decline of religion, the withdrawal of the soul. Okay. I'm just going to take it that far past the faith. This is what I'm talking about, people. This is the knowing part. What are the chances? Okay, I was looking vaguely in the Ralph Waldo Emerson portion of this book, but I've never read this essay. I had no idea where this passage was, and it's about faith. And it's also about what I had just said at the beginning of the program, our personal relationship with spirituality, though I didn't quite state it that way. It can come in many ways. It can come within religion, but it can come outside of religion. And I do agree with Ralph Waldo Emerson that reflecting on your own and being in nature is a really wonderful way to do it, which he talks about it being within you in this passage. And we know that, that we are one. We are, if there is, and we believe there is, we being a broad number, even though he talks about how it doesn't have to be numbers. Did you see that? You could be the only person in the world that believes in this thing, that believes in spirituality, that believes the way you do. You could be the only one and see the magic, see the miracles, have the knowing, have that sense of listening to the divine have that sense of experiencing and feeling the love of the divine. You could be the only one, and it would still be real. Notice how it mentions the heart at the beginning of the passage. Very important, and so little do we understand about the heart. He mentions the mind as well. We can think about spirituality. Lots of us do. But you also feel it. Most of all, you feel it. But it also can be known. It can be studied. There can be things that show themselves in the world. Things that you cannot deny when you see them. It can be proven to you by yourself. You know, if you're an objective observer and you're looking for proof, and you're being objective and not attempting to create it out of thin air. I mean, I've heard this over and over. If you're looking for a red car, you're going to see a bunch of red cars, right? Well, how did I turn to a passage on faith totally randomly when right before this program I defined the show on faith and trust? How? Maybe that had to do with the trust part, which we haven't talked about too much. See how we're doing on time. Good. I am aiming to make this program 45 minutes when I can. So um, it seems it fills the time pretty well, so that gives you more of a chance to discover it. Those of you who are out there who are live, I so appreciate how Blog Talk Radio supports this program and makes it visible to you while it's live especially. So if you're new to the program, welcome. I, I really welcome you. And I hope that this is leading you to reflect. Maybe after the program, you should go open a book and do it. Now, I have had this happen before a number of times, although it doesn't always happen right at showtime. I mean, just in my life, 
opening a book to a random page is a really powerful thing to do sometimes. And it's amazing what can happen. I mean, just impossible. Totally, it will feel impossible to you. Um, a similar thing can happen if you turn on a radio. I actually had something go on with a radio this week. Um, I have a very unusual radio. I've had it for years. It's um, just a, a radio. You know, I've had it in my bathroom or around me. It travels around the house depending on um, what I'm listening to or when. It can be in the kitchen. It can be wherever. Well, this past week, I happened to be looking at a place I was considering. It turned out not to be the place I'm considering living. And lo and behold, there was my extremely unusual. I mean, this radio has a very unusual shape. It's technically a shower radio, um, and it, it's meant to hang in a shower, although long years ago, I've had this thing probably 15, maybe 20 years. And there was my radio, only in this case, brand new or close, mine is far from that, sitting on the stove of this place. And I thought, what does that mean? I showed it to somebody, you know, who would know what my radio looks like and thought, said to me, wow, that's a powerful sign. Because it's just so statistically improbable. Most people don't even listen to radios anymore, let alone have them sitting in their kitchen somewhere where they're listening actively. I mean, it's kind of unusual to be on a stove. That I wouldn't do. That's a little risky because uh, this is a plastic radio. I don't think putting it on a stove is such a wise thing. But that alone, leaving that aside, I was led to ponder, what does it mean? It could mean a lot of things could mean I'm supposed to be listening more, just like I did before this program, and trusting. I didn't expect that I would open this book perfectly to something on faith. I don't always have some perfect expectation. I was just looking. I thought, in fact, I was very open. If there's something to read, I will read it. If not, that's fine, too. There was no... I wasn't forcing the divine's hand. I wasn't demanding, you must give me a passage on faith and on revelation and on um, so many other things in this passage, which I'm just reading for the first time, and about your own experience. How important is that? I mean, as you talk to people, sure, you'll find commonality, but I really do believe, and this really says it, that your own experience of spirituality may be as unique as a snowflake. No two snowflakes are alike. Your relationship with the divine, your personal relationship, must necessarily be unique to you. Because you're unique. Where did we start this? You're special. You're unique. You're beloved. Yet it's so difficult. I think it takes way more courage to be ourselves in front of one another. And maybe that's a part of it. And maybe what Ralph Waldo Emerson is saying is somewhat of a reassurance to me as well. To say, it's okay. It's okay to have this relationship with the divine that you don't know how to explain 
to someone else. Maybe you can explain part of it, but not all of it. Why can't you explain all of it? Because you're unique. How can I convey to you who I am? I can convey a part of who I am, but I can't. There's not a person in the world who knows you or who knows me as better as well as you know yourself. I mean, and we continue to to go deeper as to how well we know. And who else knows us? Well, actually, it's broader than we think because beyond just yourself is everyone. This may seem a little bit daunting. This is part of my spiritual experience is knowing that within the divine is everyone you've ever known, everyone you ever will know, everyone who ever lived, and not just here, because that's what it means to have an omnipresent divine. Everything is a part of it. And as Ralph Waldo Emerson reminds us, it's within you. It's holographic. You are carrying everything and everyone within you. This passage is a key to part of my own spiritual experience because years ago, as I've talked about on this program, I had some really powerful experiences as a part of my awakening after going through a difficult time where I had to confront my own mortality. And then the very thing that was making me feel like I had to confront my mortality mysteriously disappeared. And it's not the first time I have witnessed that with loved ones and myself. And let me tell you once again, it doesn't always happen. Sometimes we do go through a health situation. We do. But sometimes, and I wish I could tell you why sometimes we need to grow through that. And sometimes we... I mean, there is a point where there may never be a sometimes we need to grow through that. I mean, truthfully, I do believe that, that we are capable of healing everything at all times. So, But right now, there's a bit of mystery around that. You know, I don't think there's a person walking on the planet who doesn't have some minor complaint, you know, a headache every once or whatever, something, especially as you get a little older. But when it comes to the big things, you know, the really scary things that, you know, that you would like to go away, I wish they all could go away. And maybe there will be a world in which they all could go away. And I've seen some pretty magical people. I've been watching a person right now who got up and walked in my own family. Older individuals brought my whole family into spirituality got up and walked, well, not my whole family, but a side of the family. Um, Let me remind you again, I am the granddaughter of a minister who had his own church, and there were many healings that happened. It was within a different type of religious experience than I know, but what happened within the spiritual healing realm was real. And I happen to know of a situation where the very person who as a three-year-old got up and walked in the hospital from polio and was healed, now got healed again, (laughs) where was facing a pretty challenging situation in the hospital, 
and um, is just fine, apparently. And she's much older now, <laughs> late 80s. And, um, I, you know, some people, and I, it could be all of us. I mean, I've seen it before. It does have to do with faith, but I have to be careful there because sometimes you don't have that perfect faith. There's a mystery here, and far too many people put it on that, that said, oh, well, you must not have believed enough. Well, sometimes it just blindsides you. I mean, sure, you have this feeling of hope, this feeling of, yes, this could happen. Please, let this happen. But there's not that perfect faith. I've seen healings happen, including the one that happened that awakened me, where there really wasn't a lot of faith. I mean, in that case, I had decided that I was going to take an alternative approach first, at least, to whatever this was, if it turned out to be what it looked like. And that wasn't very well received at the time that I would consider this. But that was what I was going to do. And then it disappeared. So talk about alternative. That was even better. (laughs) If there was an alternative, I wish I could have said, you know what? I'm just going to make it disappear. Well, (laughs) that didn't happen. And so I want to reassure those of you who are listening, it doesn't require perfect. can be a mystery to it. Um, I think sometimes we're on a soul journey, and I do believe that our soul, well, not just sometimes, every second of the day, there are times when it's not just about you. That's really important, too. We're not here just having our own spiritual experience. That is our focal point, and it's really important. But sometimes we have an agreement with another soul that they need to grow. And maybe we choose ourselves to go through some kind of a challenge or have some kind of a challenging relationship with them Or, you know, maybe it's an illness. It could be a lot of things that will help that other person on their spiritual path. We're not sitting here in a vacuum. We're making our own choices. And if you've been listening to this program, you know I am a very big advocate of making your own choices. I mean, you can, and also doing it, with all the information that helps you to make whatever that choice is, the information you feel that you need. Don't ever let somebody force a choice on you when you don't have the information you need to make it yourself. That's not an honest choice. And it's not... um, I was going to talk about in this show today about trust. Trust is a multi-way street. It's not just about you trusting. Oh, it's really important. It's a wonderful thing when you can find it. But there are people on the planet on their own journeys who need to earn your trust. Do they have to be perfect people to earn your trust? There are no perfect people. Well, there are. They're perfectly imperfect because we're all divine. But in this journey that we're having, this journey of shadows cast upon the earth, this journey of shadow and light 
cast upon the earth and in us, in each of us. There are times when people do not earn our trust. If we were living in an openly spiritual society where we lived authentically within the beauty of what that is, if we hadn't become, quote, secular, unquote, even when we know that we're not, many of us, things would be different. We'd be honest with one another. Why do people hide truths they don't want others to hear? It's usually because they're afraid. They're afraid or they have an ego issue which is always related to fear. In fact, I've come to believe almost everything at some level goes right down to scarcity and survival. People are so afraid in this world, and it's a scary place sometimes. Let's not um, underestimate in this program. You know, I used to come into the show and I'd just gloss over fear. The frontier beyond fear. Let's just walk right beyond it. Well, I'll tell you, during a spiritual experience, you can feel that. I have felt it. And when I felt it, it was like, gosh, why isn't everybody else here? Suddenly, and I'm not saying I was the only one, lots of people have had spiritual experiences, but I was having my own spiritual experience, and it felt there was this beautiful, loving place where, yes, everything could be healed. And you got this feeling of, why? Why are we doing this? Why isn't everyone in this space? And probably a really good question is, why am I not in this space all the time? Well, I could only hold that space. I held it a few times. And when you're there, it's amazing. But then you lose sight of it. That space of transcendent peace where you're not afraid. There are degrees of fear. But when people do things that are not trustworthy or that they don't trust you enough to be honest with you. It's always due to fear. They're probably afraid they're going to lose something. They're going to lose money. They're going to lose power. They're going to lose influence. They're going to lose something that they crave, something that will never fill or feed their souls. It's not about money. I've walked many paths in this life. And, you know, I know what it's like to have not, I've never been like wealthy, but I know what it's like to feel totally supported in that way with a plenty of abundance. And the funny thing is, is you tend to think if you're not in a good space with that, that you're going to lose it. So what kind of a piece is that? <laughs> The, the irony of all ironies is when you're not so afraid of losing it, you might find some real peace with abundance. And this whole notion of manna from heaven may actually have something to it. We think we need so much. We don't need all those things. 
what will feed our souls and give us a happy and abundant life is not what we think. And so many times when you're in the midst of what some would call an abundant life in terms of money, you're miserable. <laughs> you're either overworked or you've got some big house you got to take care of. There's always something. The roof needs fixing or, you know, whatever. You're not happy. There's politi- there are politics at the office you got to deal with all the time and stress and stress and stress. And you come home at night and you are so worn out. There's nothing left. You are just down to a frazzle. That's <laughs> what I used to think of it as just being... I mean, you can have some very fulfilling jobs. I've had I've had a really lofty job once on an executive floor, and it was stressful in its ways, but it was also very, very fulfilling because I was doing something unconventional in those realms. So it's a state of mind. It's a state of heart. But it can make such a difference. And see, the 45 minutes has just flown by, and that just seems to be the way it goes, even if I start losing track of my words here. I Before the live show goes down, I do want to thank Blog Talk Radio again, because I really appreciate how this show is supported still. And this show's been on Blog Talk Radio a long time. And for those of you who have discovered it for the first time, if you've just wandered in um, because of the way that they um, make this show visible to you while it's live, thank you. Um, I hope you come back, and I hope you look into the archive. There are lots of guests in the archive, and there are a number of recent solo shows. And this has been a really um, positive part of my own development as a person to just be sharing with you from my heart. It's a, it, it is very meaningful to me to be able to do this. And um, just as in the past it was meaningful to have conversations, um, I do appreciate your being here. And also, before the live show goes down, I should say that you can learn more about it at FrontierBeyondFear.com and that I am going to be doing more with syndication. I seem to promise this every week, and I do, you know, we're, it is a couple places, like iHeartRadio, but it can be more places. I know that. It's on it's on Apple Podcasts. Um, so I am going to be looking at that because there are numerous syndication options today. And um, so thank you. And I guess I will bring the show down its normal time today, um, and I will leave as kind of a, a promise something I will tell you that I read, because I'm not going to be able to get to it. I was going to paraphrase it, and it has to do with scientists scoffing at something and laughing, laughing about something, ha, 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 that we all know is true today. But at the time that it occurred, person who was exploring actually forms of energy and trying to understand electricity was laughed at by 
the most established noble scholars of the day. They laughed at him. So that's my teaser for a coming show. In fact, I think that will be, the next show will be around that theme of what is science and how does it relate to our explorations and and how we've gotten totally afield from the notion of what science actually is and always has been, which is an exploration, because that's how new discoveries are made. It's not just, um, you know, it's not it's not by vote what science is. Um, it's by exploration. So thank you, everyone, for being here today. Um, I should be here next week if all goes well. If I go out, I define the show very close to the time that it airs. But um, I hope you can discover it and appreciate it in the archive as well. So... Take care, everyone. I will see you next time.